we got three tournaments left in the 2021 calendar year. The first one to talk about is the Mayakoba Championship this week down in Mexico. We'll talk about that. We'll also review the Butterfield Bermuda Championship where Lucas Herbert gets his first tour win. All that coming up with Johnny Strauser. Welcome to Your Best Bets. Going to preview the Mayakoba Championship tonight. Uh, we have a reasonable field this week compared to last week where the Butterfield Bermuda Championship was held. We didn't have a show last week because the field was about as bad as you could ever imagine. But it was a golf tournament. Johnny and I watched some of it because I guess we don't have a life. Uh, speaking of, Johnny is here. He's back. Welcome back. Uh, we had the we had the Civil War in Michigan this past weekend, and uh, I think your team came out on top. Yeah, that was uh, that was some good stuff there. That was uh, it was fun little rivalry week rivalry week there, and with all the trash talk leading up to it and everything, and the the game more than uh, lived up to the to the to the talk there. So it uh, it was pretty good there. I was I, I had bet and uh, was rooting for Michigan State. Um, and they, they, they played good. Michigan played good at times and, you know, had some, of course, some coaching, coaching errors and, and, no, uh, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's almost more fun now though, to follow Twitter. Cause I follow a lot of the media guys up there, you know, for all sports and all of the whining and crying about Michigan got unlucky with ref, you know, calls by the referees and, and the coaching and just every excuse in the book. And it's like, they just lost. Michigan just lost, you know, Michigan state's a pretty good team and they just lost, just, just deal with it. But that was fun. I mean, after, you know, both teams didn't really have much of a, you know, big time schedule coming up to it. I mean, they played, played some decent games, but uh, to finally get this one, uh, got the juices flowing and, you know, it was nice with the crowd and everything like that. That uh, got some, you know, Big Ten rival reaction with uh, with a good in-state rival. Congrats to Mel Tucker on uh, really leading that program back. And uh, I know you mentioned over the weekend you, you expect him to potentially be gone. But uh, if this is uh, this is this is quite a season they're putting together, they have a real shot at the uh, college football playoff and. Uh, I couldn't have been more wrong about that game. I thought it was going to be smash mouth, low scoring. I took the under in that game. I think you did too. And uh, I, I knew that I, I knew I knew it was done midway through the second quarter. Uh, but yeah, great game. Uh, and uh, I think both teams are you know really solid this year. Let's talk about Butterfield Bermuda Championship if we have to. Uh, so we decided not to do a show last week, and uh, partly because it. Just didn't, I don't know, didn't work out schedule wise, but also because we didn't feel like we were missing much in previewing this event. And it turns out we were right. The field got, it was bad, and then it just progressively got worse in the days leading up to, um, you know, the the entry date. And it, it, it became almost like a second rate corn fairy event. It was, I mean, there were some names at the bottom of the list that 
we joke usually when we go through the odds, but I mean, we couldn't have even made up some of the names that we were seeing. Uh, so in the end, uh, Lucas Herbert wins first career PGA tour win. He's a guy that's from Australia. He's won a couple times on the Euro tour. He is a bit of an up and comer, 25 years old. He, um, I think he's now in the top 50 in the world. Uh, he, he, he got his card through a corn ferry, uh, the corn ferry tour finals. And, uh, so he's, he was already, he already had his card, but now he, of course, will be playing the century tournament champions, the players, the masters, um, among some of the big events in 22. Any big thoughts on Lucas Herbert? Uh, I'm, we had talked, we'd mentioned him a couple times. I mean, he's a pretty big hitter. Uh, he's, you know, he's won a couple events over, uh, over in Europe there. So, you know, up-and-comers probably a good way to describe him. Now, is he going to be one of the, you know, one of the, the new Australian players that's going to, you know, kind of take over? That's That remains to be seen. But, uh, you know, he played really, really solid down the stretch there. And as the weather got got worse. Um, but, yeah, as, you know, with the field, uh, the field was capped at, I believe, 132 and they most tournaments have about twelve alternates, and all they went through all twelve alternates, and then once they reach that, then the field just shrinks. They don't call anybody else out, and you know I don't know if it was whether uh, because of um, the the COVID rules that Bermuda's got, um, I think which is a little bit more strict than a lot of other co- uh, countries, or if it was because. I think maybe some players saw the weather that was uh, forecasted because it turned out it was, was pretty rough, but uh, yeah, it only ended up having like 127 guys or something like that, which was, which was kind of weird and everything like that, but you know, it is what it is, but that's a big deal though. This win though. I mean, even though it's, it's a weak field he did win a full, uh, full PGA tour event. And to give you an idea of what something like this would do is obviously would give him a two-year exemption on the PGA Tour so he can set his schedule as a, as a PGA Tour winner, gets him into the Players' Championship, gets him into the Masters, um, and he wins 500 FedEx Cup points. And to give everyone an idea, the 100, they take 125, uh, the top 125 on the FedEx Cup list, make the playoffs for, at the end of the year. The last year's FedEx Cup guy on the on uh, 125th place had 400 and I think 446 points. So this all but locks him up to make the FedEx Cup playoffs. And now he's got a whole season to, you know, to push forward there and, um, you know, and, and, and earn additional points there so he could end up, you know, moving up and getting into a, a position to be in the Tour Championship. So we'll see how this does going forward. I mean, you know, he played with a lot of confidence there. He's got a he hits in a mile. He's got a little bit of a uh, of an over the top golf swing, so I'm not sure how it'll hold up through the course of the season. But being only 25 years old though, and, and playing with that kind of confidence, I was I was very impressed because he could have crumbled, um, you know, with that really awful weather that did roll in there, um, you know, Sunday afternoon. So, you know, good for him for for the win there, and it, you know, it's nice to see when these younger guys win because maybe it can propel them to something a little bit bigger. The, 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 there's a good point about the FedEx Cup points. I, I would I would love to look back at last season and see what 
you know, every, everyone that won the tournament, where they finished up in the regular season. I mean, I would have thought that probably everyone ended up in the top 50 or 60 if you won a tournament. And most of those players ended up in the tour championship. So the point is, Herbert's already got a head, uh, you know, head start on getting into the top 30 with the win so early on. Now, just, you know, throw some top 10s in. Um, and he's going to have a reasonable chance to at least make the top 30 with a decent season. Um, the, the, the weather was my other headliner, the weather on Thursday morning, (laughs) we didn't see it, but we knew the scores were rough and then we read about it and it sounded, uh, pretty insane 40, 40, 50 mile an hour gusts. Uh, I saw Matt Fitzpatrick's, you know, say he drilled a drive and it went about 240 into the wind I would have loved to have seen that. We saw a little bit of it on Sunday for about probably about a half hour. They had to to uh, delay it because of of rain and it was sideways and it was blowing like crazy. And it was it was like that for a little bit. It kind of calmed down the back nine. But I love watching these guys battle those conditions. Uh, it it just it adds an element that you don't see very often. Uh, and the in that region. It, winds can really kick up it, it is a pretty it's i thought it was actually a pretty good golf course uh pretty good mm-hmm. to watch on tv uh, uh there's a couple coastal holes that are pretty neat um is there is there a round that sticks out in your head that you've played in the wind or horrible weather that you still remember actually yeah um i i remember it quite well it's when i was uh uh one round that 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 from at least from my collegiate days, is I uh, uh, played the the Ball State. I can't remember the early Etzingmeyer Invitational at Ball State Muncie, and this was what this was had to have been two thousand or two thousand one. And um, I had had two pretty good rounds the first day because we played thirty six the first day and then eighteen the, the next. And I remember because uh, um, my now wife came uh, came down to watch. Um, and because it's not that far from Fort Wayne, uh, my brother and sister-in-law came down to watch as well. So I had a little bit of a gallery there, and it was it was hot and and nice the first day playing that 36, and then it dropped I don't know 30 40 degrees or something like that. I mean it was 55 and just blowing like crazy. I mean it was probably sustained 20 25 miles an hour, and I shot I think an even par. And there were only of in the entire field there. There were probably I don't know two or three that broke par that day. So that was one of those ones where it just was like a grind it out, you know, just be miserable. And I almost felt bad for you know for my family coming and watching that they had to deal with that. So I think that kind of motivated me more to play play pretty well. But uh, you know, it's just the wind is 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 tough. And and you know most golfers. If you if you ask them, there's three different foul conditions. There's wind, there's rain, and there's cold. Most of us, and and maybe I'm sure you do agree to some extent at least, we'll play in one of those conditions and be okay with it. But when you add two of those, either wind wind and rain, or wind and cold, you know, or rain and cold, you know, it's like okay, we we don't want to play that day. So you know, this being windy and and rainy. You know, um, especially that last day, but there was some squalls that came in. You know, during the during the rest of the tournament there that uh, that make it tough, and it just is miserable because you've really got to 
focus in and you're trying to, to stay warm, you're trying to stay dry, and you've got to focus on hitting good shots and, and you know, thinking, you know, thinking uh, harder and, 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 you know, considering all the other elements like the wind and the rain and everything like that. So, you know, that's kind of my thought, especially as I've gotten older. I'm like, you know what? If it's if it's two of these three, I'm going to seriously consider not playing that day um, because it's like I, I I don't want to deal with two different things. I can I can stand one, but you know, yeah, two that's kind of tough. Yeah, I think it was two years ago, maybe it was three. Correct me if I'm wrong. You and I played in a uh, two man scramble at a three rivers event at a Riverbend. It was like the Halloween fright fest or something. It was the spooktacular. Okay. I knew it was, it had some name that was Halloween related. Uh, it was, I want to say it was as close to a combination of those three things as you just stated. I bet it was no more than 38 degrees. It was a drizzle rain. It was windy and it was so fucking cold. We had, oh our, my hand, God. We had our hand warmers. And I'm like, what am I doing? I think it was, it might've been a Sunday where I could have been watching football yeah. and you had asked me to play and I'm like, yeah, that'll be great. And then it was so miserable and awful. That's that's the one that came to mind when I asked you that question, um, and and, and yeah. maybe maybe I'm making it sound worse than I remember. I don't know, but it, I remember it being no. Pretty, that was that was a, you, that was three or four years ago. It might have been four because it was it was right before I started my current job. I think it was the fall before. I remember. So I I don't tend to wear stocking caps um, when I play golf. I just I, I don't like the. I'm a baseball cap only person. I remember that day it was so cold and the whole round it was so cold. I, I wore a stocking cap the whole round just because it was, you know, my, my ears were cold and, and I don't usually, my head doesn't usually get that cold, but it it never hit 40 degrees that day. And yeah, that wind made it even, even tougher. And it was just like, okay, this better be worth it. We ended up winning it or do we tie for first? I think we tied and we lost on, on a tiebreaker. Yeah. Lost on a tiebreaker. Okay, that's what it was. Because I think I won. Like, was it? It was a best ball, right? I I, I think you might have won the individual. I was like, the like the, the medalist or something like yeah. that, and it yes. was just like the most unsatisfying day because it was like, okay, I'm just I'm ready to be done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I did have some flashbacks watching that Sunday for a few minutes to that that round. Um, uh, so what else from from uh, the Butterfield Bermuda? What do we know? What Butterfield is? Is it what is the what is that company? What do they do? Any I, idea? I I don't know. I okay. honestly don't okay. know. It's got kind of a cool logo. It's like a it's either a chicken or a dog with wings or something like that. Okay. I don't. Right. I don't. I, I, don't I know. just I picture like a, a butter churning factory, which is probably not close, but probably. we'll just we'll just go with that. Um, Pat Reed, we both had a pre-tournament bet on Patrick Reed. He almost comes out of nowhere. I think he was eight or nine back starting the final round, and he he finishes T2. He's finally gotten over the bilateral pneumonia that almost took him away from us uh, in August. Um, uh, he's He seems to have made it back, uh, so that's encouraging. I got to tell you, I'm getting a little annoyed. Uh, and we talked about this earlier today. Uh, we were texting back and forth. This is the fourth fourth time in six fall events that I've picked the guy or I've bet the guy that's finished second. So I'm getting a little pissed off and a little frustrated. Uh, I also bet Patrick Rogers. I had a really, really sizable bet on Patrick Rogers, and he was looking good for quite a while, but just not enough to, to get it done and win the tournament and finish T4. 
Um, anything else from this tournament for you? Um, you know, there were some some good rounds to finish here. You know, first T's and P's to Patrick Roger or Patrick Reed for uh, surviving that and and not actually dying and being here to yes. uh, finish second place. That you know. Hopefully he's getting healthy, um, you know, because that, you know, maybe you know that he's going to get these reps in now for for not playing that much in the in the late summer and fall. That uh, he might be a good betting option going forward because if he's getting this close, um, you know, good round, uh, good final round that sixty five there. So you know that that's pretty big there. That also that round by Scott Stallings and and really who the who the hell cares about Scott Stallings? But sixty two that last day. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, I can't remember. They, they were talking about it. I believe Shane Bacon was talking about it today on, uh, on Golf Today on Golf Channel. They, they said something. It was very similar to um, how bad Furyk, Jim Furyk beat the field when he shot 58 um, yeah. at, the, at the one tournament and won. So, I mean, just how he just kind of dominated because a lot, a lot of scores were, were upper 60s, low 70s, and you know, a couple good rounds there, but you know, there there was some there there was some okay play despite the the conditions there, and uh, um, there there's not really a ton. There's really not a ton much to add because I mean that it, it was such a weird thing though to see such a crappy field in a, in an actual PJ Tour event. This isn't what this isn't an op season of it you know opposite event where they play opposite like the wgc's or something like that but it's just to see that field is was a bit real real tough to bet and i think i'm hoping we're going to get one of yours here to hit pretty soon because you've come so close and i, I really thought pat rogers was going to end up uh, mm. uh somehow winning you know he shot that 64 in the second round and i i did live bet him because i was like this is this is meant to be this is absolutely meant to be and it wasn't meant to be. See, I told my brother-in-law he he's been he's been kind of losing uh, a lot on golf and football lately, and he's like, you know, I'm taking the week off and not betting. And I said, just do yourself a favor. And this was Monday. I said, just put just put a few dollars on Patrick Rogers. That could be your only bet. I said he's going to win this week. I really did. And so he was he was anxiously watching through through Saturday and Sunday as well. Um, <laughs> it was looking damn good for a long time. Uh, but he, this, oh, this guy is just, he's, he's maddening, but he has had two top tens this, uh, so far in the fall. So maybe he's, he's turning things around. There is a good story out there about him almost losing his ball yes. in corn fairy tour or corn fairy tour finals that, and it was, he had about two seconds before his time was up and they found his ball and he could have lost his card. It's, it's kind of crazy. It's like a sliding doors moment where, you know, that, that doesn't happen. He's, he doesn't, he's on, he, he's losing his status or at least, you know, he's on conditional status. So that's, that was kind of a fun thing to see on Twitter. But uh, yeah, I think we can close out uh, Bermuda pretty quickly and uh, move on to Mayakoba. So, Mayakoba, this is the first, uh, this was one of the first tournaments we uh, previewed last fall when we started the podcast. So this is the first time we're doing a tournament for the second time around. I don't know if you knew that. Um, it's the no, Worldwide Technology Championship at Mayakoba at the El Camelion Golf Club. Do you like that? Um, nice. Victor Hovland. <laughs> yeah. Victor Hovland won this tournament last year. Uh, this golf course, uh, 
probably puts a bigger emphasis on driving accuracy um, than most most courses on tour. Um, in fact, it, statistics-wise, it's, it rates out the most critical to hit fairways more than any other course on tour. So I think, you know, I, I'm going to be looking at guys that put not, – not necessarily for, for distance, but really guys that put the ball in play and uh, hit a lot of fairways and more of an accuracy kind of guy. I think Emiliano Grillo is what I'm thinking. Um, so that's kind of where I'm starting. This this course is not long. It's under 7,000 yards. It's got those past palum greens. We talked about that a little bit. Um, built by Greg Norman, um, the the new the new commissioner of the LIV Golf League. We'll talk about that next week. Stay tuned for that. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Greg Norman, he's really, really making some things happen in the golf world right now. Um, so, what are your thoughts on on this course? Some of the course corollaries are, are Pebble, Harbor Town. Again, shorter courses, smaller greens, bumpy greens. You know, like Pebble. Um, who, I, I guess, are, are are those the kind of things you're looking at this week as far as accuracy type players? Yeah, because I mean, this is a, this is actually a uh, one a real nice resort there in Mexico, and generally resort courses have have uh, uh, big fairways because you get all sorts of types of golfers that uh, that play it. Uh, you got wide landing areas, wide uh, gr- green complexes, um, typically big greens and, and whatnot. But they this one is a little bit different there. Yeah. Yes, there is a premium for um, you know getting the ball off the tee. I, I'll look at overall ball striking, but I will factor into their strokes gain off the tee. Um, I, I, I'm always a big strokes gain approach guy, though. I mean, pretty much in, in in any event that I look at, I like to look at that number just because you know giving themselves a lot of birdie opportunities there. But yeah, this is going to be a lot like those, uh, the courses that you had mentioned there. So, you know, there is going to be a a good focus for, um, you know, your tee to green game, but really getting off the tee there. So we'll look for that. Um, And like you said, a guy like uh, Grillo is, who's traditionally like that and a a poor putter. He's just a, you know, a good putting weekend away from, you know, easily winning one of these events. So let's get to the odds board. The, the field we mentioned is uh, substantially better uh, than it was last week. And, and really, you could show up to most golf tournaments and they'd be better than they were last week. Uh, JT is playing this week. He is a favorite at plus 1,100, which feels like a, a fairly reasonable number on someone that ended the year pretty well. Uh, AB answer at plus 1,600. The champion, defending champion Vic Hovland at plus 1,600. Uh, Tony Finau at 2,000, Brooks Kepka at 2,500, Scheffler at 2,500. There's there's the guy, Cam Tringales, yep, plus 2,800. Uh, Billy Ho, Shane Lowry, Aaron Wise, and Terrell Hatton at plus 3,000. Those are the Ooh. top names on the board. Who is worth betting here at the top? Uh, first, first name that sticks out. His the number is a little small, but it's still I think worth uh, uh, worth a bet. Is is Abe Answer um, from Mexico? Bigger. It's going to be a big event for him. Um, he 
hits it straight. A uh, good ball striker. Um, you know, I uh, he, he's one now, so I feel comfortable that he can win. Um, I do like him. I'm I'm torn on some of the other big names like JT and and Finau and Scheffler. The the numbers make sense, but are they gonna are they are they after the Ryder Cup after having a few weeks off and maybe they played in Japan um, or or Vegas, but are they treating this like a let's go out and win it type thing or is this nice resort in Mexico where they take the you know wife or girlfriend and you know play in the event but are are they really totally you know all, all focused in so i'm not going to bet these guys to win they they might be worth a live bet if it looks like they're going to they're going to show up um, for the top one uh, of these top guys but the other guy in addition to answer i like the number is is billy horschel um, he won in europe he won the the bmw and that was Obviously, per his interview, that was a big deal. So um, I think there's a, I, I think there's also a little bit of a post Ryder Cup, like you know, I, I should have made it. So I think he's he's kind of uh, he's kind of come out of the block strong um, this late part of the season here, and you know, I think he's going to carry over that that good play. And at thirty to one, that's a pretty good number there, and and you can even um, you know go. 30 to 1 on a win bet and then plus 300 on a top 10. So those are the two that I like out of that. Um, might look at some live bets. Um, and even in the top 10s, they, they still carry a pretty good number as well. So I'd have to look a little bit closer on, on the numbers and see, you know, see how much I like them there. Interesting you bring up Horschel. Best cumulative score to par at Mayakoba the last three years. Billy Horschel is number one. And number two is your go. is your other guy, Abe Answer. Um the actually, I got a sneaky name uh, that's number three, but I'm going to save him for later. Um, you know, anytime you're talking about accuracy off the tee and really solid approach or iron play, it answers one of the guys that comes to mind. It just it's that that's the hallmark of his game. He's not going to bomb it out there, but he's going to hit a lot of fairways. He's just going to ball strike it to death, and if he's if he's on with the the putter. You know, weeks like the WGC at, at uh, uh, Memphis happen where he, he finally breaks through and he wins. So I, I don't mind the answer play at all. Uh, I, I I do lean toward Hovland again um, this tournament. I bet him last year and he won. That was that was an awesome. I think this this tournament took place in December, early December last year. I remember because of the schedule. That was a nice December bonus for sure. Have him winning this tournament, but I, I, I really like the number on him. JT is all those things as well, but his I still don't trust his putting. His putting is just not good. And one of the one of the things I was looking at this week is three putt avoidance on these past Palom greens. They're slow. They're bumpy. They're hard to get used to. We've talked about in the past with those type of greens. It, it sort of levels out the field. No one can make putts on these greens, but I was looking that there's a higher three putt tendency on these greens, and I was looking at three putt avoidance. Uh, JT ranks 104th in that in the field, um, and three putt avoidance. So I, 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 you know, I don't want to see him over five and six footers grinding because I, he's just missing those this year. Um, so I do like Hovland on the on the number at plus 1600, and. Um, 
Shane Lowry kind of came to mind. He's one of those guys that that really showed up at the Ryder Cup. His record wasn't great, but he won that that match on Saturday night that was pretty memorable memorable for Europe at least. And he really had a really nice twenty twenty one. I think he rates out pretty decent for this course. He's his ball striking is good enough, but he just hits a ton of greens. He hits it in play enough, and his short game is one of the better ones on tour. So I don't mind Lowry at plus 3,000. I will be betting Aaron Wise again because I think he is uh, close. He was really close in Vegas when Rory won. I think he finished in the top five there. I think he was trending, um, and hopefully his game is still uh, going that way. Um, 35 and above, Taylor Gooch. And here it, here it is again, Patrick Reed, underpriced yet again. At, coming off a week where he finished the second, mm-hmm. it's it's hard to understand why he's always. I mean, there's never any public money on on Patrick Reed. People just don't want to bet him. Um, Matthew Fitzpatrick at four thousand, HV three, Matt Wolf at four thousand. Uh, Norin at 4,500, Will's out Taurus, who finally feels appropriately priced, uh, where he probably where he should be. Plus 4,500, uh, your guy, Joaquin Neiman, Russ Henley, Keegan Bradley at 4,500. You're, you're going to go Neiman, yeah. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's automatic. You just, you just, you just got to wait and see. Um, no, but at first, the, the, the Patrick Reed, though, at, at 35 to 1. I mean, I. I don't want to say it's an auto bet, but it's pretty, pretty good. You got to throw. I think you throw something on him, and you know, after shooting the sixty-five, I mean, he he played he played really good golf that last day, and they, they, he's going to carry that over. Those guys generally do that, and you know, maybe if you don't think he's going to win, you could at least get you know plus three thirty on a top ten. But I don't see him. I don't see him slowing down, and he's the type of guy. Uh, I know he's working through some swing changes. He's with David Ledbetter now, and either he's not quite there because he's working on him this this fall. Here, he's going to work on him over the winter, and he wants to, you know, peak come uh, come the West Coast swing next year. But you know, I, I think if his if he's making putts like he was doing, um, you know, he's going to be a guy who can uh, once he gets hot like that. Even the, with these greens being a little bit more challenging than. Uh, um, you know, then your normal bet grass or Poana, I don't mind him at all uh, for a win bet there. So I think I'm I'm gonna uh, look at that. Um, Taylor Gooch has been playing good golf too, plus uh, plus thirty five hundred as well. Um, doesn't have the 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 win equity to give you a, a ton of confidence, but these are the types of wins. These are the types of uh, uh, wins that these guys get is their their first ones where the, you know the field. It, isn't quite as strong as a regular season tour event, even though this one is pretty good. Um, but I do like how he has been playing uh, recently here, so I'll probably have to bet him in some capacity. Um, I'm actually going to skip over Yako Neiman this week. Hmm. Um, Interesting. I think he's actually a pretty good play. I do too. Yeah. So I may look at him as in a matchup bet. Um, cause you know, I usually post the, uh, uh, I have as my best bets in the matchups and everything, but he doesn't, he, he hasn't won enough to, to make me feel super comfortable with it. So 
I, I don't know. But as far as like his game fitting the golf course, though, it, it's it's not a bad play at all. Um, and then I don't know what. Looking at Ricky Fowler here, do, is he worth anything? I mean, you know, any kind of any kind of bet. You know, he played he he played well in uh, in in Vegas there, and and then kind of struggled. But uh, do you think he can keep this up? Well, I mean, first of all, you're skipping to the next range, uh, but that's oh Jesus, I was skipping to the next I mean, range, aren't I? But I was I'll, thinking we were going to six thousand. We'll I'll, talk about him in a moment. Yeah, I'll get we'll, we'll get to Ricky in a second. Um, I'll I'll give you my my thoughts on this range. There's one guy I really 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 like in this range. Who do you think it is? Is it Matthew Wolf? No, no, not for this golf course. Okay, I, I didn't think so. No, think of a guy that broke my heart once uh, in this range this this season. Russ Henley. Yeah, yeah. Russ Henley. Yeah, his 20, numbers are good. Oh, so good. Last twenty four rounds, first in approach. Third and ball striking, putters uh, a joke, um, but this guy is just like it's. It's not just been the last twenty four rounds though. It's been the last year that he's been just on with his irons, and it's hard. It's hard to fathom that he hasn't won a tournament with how good he's been hitting it. But I, the course just feels like it's set up perfectly for Henley this week, and maybe the past Palum levels it out for him but that to me uh henley's an auto bet for sure uh 4500 and if you don't trust him winning plus 800 on a top five is something i like as well even though i don't really play those very often let's get to that range then 50 to 1 and above sergio ricky matt mcneely at 50 mito at 60 to 1 seamus power Justin Rose, Charlie Hoffman at 60 as well. Uh, Grio, Woodland, Vegas, Bezadenhut, and Poulter at 65. Uh, so, Ricky, he's coming off the the great week in Vegas where he finished third uh, to Rory and just had a great week, ball striking, first tee to green. His putter let him down on Sunday. You, you ask, can he keep that up? I don't know. And I, I think – do you remember last January, February, when, when Spieth came out at Phoenix and he had that great Saturday and yep. he finished well? And we were like, that was that was cool. I don't know if he could do it again. And then the next time we saw him at Pebble, he, he did it again. And he didn't win, but he hit it great, almost won. And then it just it, it really propelled his 2021. I'm not saying that's going to happen with Rick, but it might. And we... I'd rather be early than late. Is he overpriced? He's probably appropriately priced based off his last performance. Normally you see that from Fowler, and he's in the top 10 of the odds. So I, I think at 50 it's a pretty fair number, don't you think? I, I think it is a fair number. I, I'm going to stay away just because that, when that putter is cold, um, I, I don't feel – I don't feel comfortable with with him making really really much at all. Like if, if you want to compare it to Spieth, um, you, Jordan tends to you know hit it crooked and, and then make putts. You know, rare, rarely does he have like a really 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 off putting 
day, you know, in, in terms of when he's hitting the ball well. Because usually he he's, uh, with how his rhythm goes, is if he's hitting the driver well, he just kind of feeds off of that. He hits his irons well, hits his wedges well, chips it un- unbelievably and puts it unbelievably. So with with Rick Fowler, maybe, but I, I think it's I think it's coming around. Uh, you know, the the baby's coming in the next you know couple weeks, so he's going to have perspective soon. So we got to factor that in, but the perspective's not there yet. Yes. So yes. It, it's getting close. So appropriately priced. It's kind of a buyer beware, though, at 50 to 1. Um, might be worth a, a tiny bet. I'm not going to bet him to win um, pre tournament, though, just because he's got to show me a little bit more. And, and kind of the same thing I did with, with Jordan Spieth was didn't start betting him right away to win um, until it was, you know, until he was kind of proving it there. But this th- this list, though, this, uh, this group's got some pretty good names on it. Um, yeah. You know, Sergio, you know, great ball striker. I, I could see him finishing top ten in this if he can make a few putts here and there. Keegan's a good ball striker. You know, he he could finish up there. Um, you know, I just I I like a lot of the names. You know, Mav McNeely. I don't I, that the him almost winning there in California. That wasn't just a a one hit wonder type thing. I think he's here to stay. Mito as as I may have mentioned once or twice on this podcast, I, I like him all the time. Um, and I could even look at like a Seamus Power or, yeah. you know, Emiliano Grillo, even though he's not going to make anything. Another guy, though, down the list, though, is Johnny Vegas. Um, also a good ball striker. Uh, hits it long. And when he when he's uh, swinging it well, he hits it really, really straight, too. Um, it's just his putter is so much of a question there that uh, – um, but what I think what how I'm going to approach this in the betting is with these greens being as weird as they are, you almost got to take some chances that it'll equal out some uh, um, some of the, the better putters, and you just kind of hope that these guys who struggle a little bit maybe can just you know figure out a way to to, to equal it out, and then their ball striking, which may be a little bit more superior, um, you know, can give them the edge as far as getting a win there. So that's kind of how I'm going to look at that, but. Because I like a lot of these names, though. Otherwise, it's a good point. The 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 win equity, I think, in this range is maybe the best bang for your buck. Sergio, we know how good he hits it. Mito, you've you you have mentioned him once or twice in the last few weeks. He's he's his numbers compare just as well, or even a little bit better than than Henley's second approach, first in ball striking. First tee to green the last 24 rounds. So he's hitting it really well. Uh, yeah, Griot's going to do his thing. And he's, I think it was this tournament last year where I bet him. And he was in the final group Sunday and he fell flat on his face, which is uh, typical of what he, he does. But yeah, there's there's, <laughs> there's there's a lot of guys in this range. Seamus Power has been a really good player the last few months. Um, I see Justin Rose in here. I don't think we have to worry much about him. But it's interesting to see all the names in this range. Uh, 7,000 and below, there's Pat Rogers, uh, Perez at 7,500, and then uh, a bunch of guys at eight, 9,000. Streelman, Ortiz, Harmon, Brendan Todd, CT Pan, Chris Kirk, and Henrik Stenson. Can't believe Henrik Stenson's still in these type of fields. Um, man, that CT Pan play a couple weeks ago, that didn't work out, did it? 
Oh, that was we 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 missed uh, we missed something there. And you know what was funny was is some of the the, the betters and, and touts that I see on uh, on Twitter there they were big on him as well. It was like it just kind of seemed like this was good. That was going to be his oh yeah. Weekend. It was a huge it like, was industry play. Yes. Yeah, and it was just like dead fucking last after the first mm-hmm. first day, and it was like. Okay, you know, I mean, where did this come from? I mean, you can figure out it'd be, it'd be a, you know, a little bit more respectable there. But um, this, I, I'm, a, I'm a lot less impressed with this group here. Henrik Stenson, that is weird to see him at that. I might actually try to find him in a top 30 or top 40. He did play well at the BMW, and I think he had an event in Switzerland like a week or two later, something like that, um, that he actually didn't play too badly on. So, there, there's a sign of life, and you know, plus seven hundred as a top ten. I don't know if he's going to finish up that, but I, I, you know, it's one of those things that if they can make the cut, you know, if you think they're good enough to make the cut, they might be worth a top thirty or top forty if you can get them at, you know, plus three fifty, plus four fifty, you know, something like that. So that's something to consider that I might look at just because he's been, you know, okay a little bit there. But you know, the other guy. You know, like we talked about earlier here is, is, is Pat Rogers. I mean, if if he can't, I think you sent this text on like Thursday or Friday. If he can't win the Butterfield Bermuda Championship, is the dude ever going to win? I mean, he. Oh. I will say though. I mean, let me let me you know, you know let me just say this. He did look pretty good though. He looked comfortable. Now he had some bad shots, and he just he could not get it going over the weekend at all. I mean, could not get anything close, and that putter was just it was just so iffy there. But he, I don't know, he he just he looked like there was some life though. That I I'm not I'm not going to pick him to win this week, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a decent finish. You know, if he finishes somewhere in the top twenty, top yeah. twenty five, something like that. The I don't feel like this is a course fit at all for him. Um, uh, through two rounds last week, and when he was leading and he was first in greens and regulation, he was last in, in fairways. And mm. you, you can't do that here. You can you can really uh, you, you can really shoot a high score at, at this course with all of the trouble that's off the tee. Uh, again, we mentioned accuracy. He's he's more of a bomber. He's more of a, a Bryson mold guy where he just hits it wherever and goes and plays the next shot. But that's, I just think it's going to work here. Um, I lost my spot. Okay. So a hundred to one and higher. Um, Taylor Pendrith guy that uh, was, was a 54 hole leader by a few shots last week. He's at a hundred to one. Um, Pat Kazire. I think he won here previously. He's at 130 to one. Brian Stewart. No, I'm not mentioning Brian Stewart. Um, <laughs> I was going to mention Brian. No, I was. I was gonna... <laughs> Lucas Herbert is at 130 to one, which is really interesting, right? Well, okay. So when he when he won the Irish Open this year, he I think it was he finished fourth at the Scottish Open the next week. I mean, that's you. You know how I don't like to pick guys back to back, but. That, that's just interesting. That's interesting that he followed up a win, his win with a really, really good week. I mean, for him to be behind 
They're saying they're saying uh, Troy Merritt or Adam Shank or right. you know Charles Howell has a better chance of winning this week than Lucas Herbert. I mean, or Corn Fairy Tour Star Stephen Yeager has the same odds. I I don't yeah. I don't quite get that. That's a that's a sign of fucking disrespect there. Yep, and I've heard Lucas Herbert plays the disrespect card like an NBA player in the playoffs. So. That's what I heard. That's good. that's good. That may or may not be true, but you know, that's just that's that's what I heard. So, yeah, that is an interesting number. That's a good. I, uh, that's a good thing to look at. Though. I didn't even. I, I I didn't think he was playing until I got down here. I was I was yeah. really surprised. Uh, so you want to hear my sleeper? Yes, you're gonna love this. He is third and best cumulative score to par the last three years at Mayakoba. He is uh, since 2015 at Mayakoba first and. Total under total score to par in the last six years. Most rounds in the 60s. Most rounds of 67 or lower. Six and birdies are better. It is the one and only Bryce Garnett. He is at... Oh, that's right. He almost won that. I think it was it last year? I'd have or to go back two years ago. He, he was like a Taylor Pendrith where he was like winning or something like that. I remember that. He is at 140 okay. to one. Okay. Uh, to win, he is at plus 1100 for a top 10. Uh, I feel like I feel like this is a system play. This is an Adams Benson uh, where I, I have to trust the numbers, trust the course history. I, I'll have to look at how he's playing. Um, I don't know if it matters, and maybe I just I go with it. But really interesting that Bryce Garnett has been the horse for the course here the last few years um beyond that there is some there is some good names in this field though and, and there's some good names down the board yes sir um yep uh, I, uh garrick higo winner from last year he's at 150 to one uh, Lebiota's at two hundred to one. I think I'm probably done with with that. Yeah, I, I, I get off the Hank Lebiota train there. Vince Vince Whaley, he played really well last week. Two hundred to one plus fourteen hundred yeah. for a top ten. Um, your, your boy Davis Riley, he finished top ten last week, and he's he's I think he's got some value. I mean, he shot like sixty seven on Sunday, so uh, I, yeah. I I don't mind that as a as a carryover option there. Um, Scott Stallings, I don't like him in the tournament, but I like him as a possible first round lead guy. Sixty two Sunday, you know, who knows what he'll what he'll do there. Um and then I wish I could I wish I felt better about Keith Mitchell because his game overall, I mean, he burned that Vegas course down that first two days. That's true. I mean, just torched it and then and then could make a putt the entire weekend there. But uh you know, you see him at 150 to one, and you know a good player like that. That's that's tough to stay away from. He would be my one guy this far down the list that if I was throwing a dart there to, uh, you know, throw throw a, a bet on, I, that'd be my guy. Yeah, I prefer him on Bermuda greens. His Bermuda numbers are really good, but yeah, I mean, as far as someone that was, I mean, he really played well in Vegas. Um, I I, li- I always look at Denny McCarthy, but I I don't think he's a good enough ball striker to win this tournament. Uh, 
Hudson Swafford rates out pretty well. His his iron game is top ten in the field. Um, he at least is a guy that has won a couple tournaments the last couple years. So I think he's he's a little bit underpriced at two hundred fifty to one plus sixteen hundred top ten. Um, you know, other than that, we got the Luke Donald situation. He is shockingly third in approach the last twenty four rounds in the field. He made the cut last week. He did. Yeah, I was scrolling through the scores and I was like, "What, Luke Donald? Luke Donald. I didn't know he. I didn't know he played." And he's Maybe right they? in the Adam Svensson range. <laughs> yeah, he. So he could be assistant play. He's borderline assistant play. So for the listeners, it's that's borderline. <laughs> Bet at your own risk. Yeah, borderline system play. I don't think he's. I don't think Luke Donald is the worst play at a top forty. I mean, no, I'm sure the number you could get on him is top really good. Forty for Luke Donald is going to be around plus three hundred, uh, plus two seventy five. It's not bad. No. Anything else? I do not have anything else. No. That's that's good. We can uh, mercifully end <laughs> the Mayakoba preview. Uh, I am I am a little bummed out. I can officially um, I can call my Jameis Winston uh, to lead the league in touchdowns, but it's a, it's dead finally. Oh man, that was he was fun on that team though. I mean that was that was inter- I like I I didn't really care about the Saints with with Breeze leaving because you know and I don't know if I really cared about him with Breeze on the team, but I like Jameis. I I. I don't know. He's, I think he's so fun, and he's so chaotic. He's just, yeah, yeah. Yes, and I think that's what it is, But and he's kind of like a, it's kind of a good kind of chaotic. It's not like, you know, you're like, what are you doing, Jameis? It's just... The the Carson Wentz type of chaotic, where you're like, oh, oh my, my oh my God, what did you just do? Like, I said those words out loud. What? I mean, that was, that, that or something. And I don't even, I don't even like either team that, you know, the Colts or the Titans, but... God damn it! That play when he threw it right into traffic there. Uh, you know, listen, in I, overtime, I, I compared him to Jay Cutler on this oh. uh, a few weeks ago, and but even Cutler hasn't done that kind of stupid shit in, in his career. He just he makes some bad decisions, but throwing it left handed from your own end zone is that's that's an all timer. So it was left handed. I didn't see the highlight of it. I saw after kind of because I was I was at work and headed on a I just on my phone there. He threw it left-handed. Left-handed, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and that, and that was after the week in San Francisco where he just heaved it right to the guy's chest. I, I, I mean, he just does some, some boneheaded stuff. Um, all right, that wraps it. Uh, Johnny, thanks for being on and uh, going over the thrilling Butterfield Bermuda Championship and and previewing the Mayakoba. What a what a fun podcast this was. It was, and, and I can't wait for next week when we get to talk about this Saudi golf stuff. That that we're gonna go deep on that. That'll be fun. Uh, we'll post our picks on Instagram, Facebook on Wednesday. We'll be back with the picks, see how they play out, and see if we can finally get a winner. We only have this tournament and two more tournaments uh, in November, and then the PGA Tour will be on a bit of a break until January. So we need to get one of these before the break. Uh, thanks for listening once again, and we'll catch you next time.